0: Welcome to The Unspeakable Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Daum. My guests are returning guests. They're back by popular demand. They are, are you ready? Hilaia Suffren and Yael Martor, better known as the hosts of the Ask a Jew podcast. Little background, Hilaia and Yael are both Jewish. You'll be glad to know, but in very different ways. Hailea has lived her whole life in an Orthodox Hasidic community uh, in Southern California. Yael is a secular Israeli now living in New York City. The two became friends in 2020 when they met online and began having conversations about Judaism, many of which consisted of Yael asking Hailea questions about Orthodox Jews that she would have been afraid or embarrassed to ask someone else. They started recording the conversations and a fabulous podcast emerged. I have said this many times. Ask a Jew is one of my favorite podcasts. And that's saying something because I listen to a lot of them. I had these girls on, these girls, yeah, they're girls. We're all girls here. Uh, I had them on last fall to talk about the autumn holidays, the October Jewish holidays, I guess Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah. It's now Passover week. So they're back to talk about Passover. Yael gives her secular explanation of Passover. Hialeah then corrects all the things she got wrong, also explains some bizarre customs of Orthodox Jews during Passover. For instance, did you know that Orthodox Jews get their cars detailed for Passover? Yes. Yael also explains the current political situation in Israel. We also talk about why Hialeah's father apparently hated me for a while. So a lot of ground covered here for paying subscribers to the Substack stack, get bonus content as usual. They talk about being the ages that they are, talk about the crisis of men, which is a favorite topic of ours around here, incels, lots of good stuff. So let's just get right to it.
1: I should have known that
0: okay I think we are all here and recording we're not going to have a repeat of last time when we recorded the whole thing and had, oh to, had to redo it remember yeah, we
1: weren't we weren't big then now we're, yeah, lucky we're to have so I can't believe yeah. I, it's such a get wait are you but recording already because I have funny yes, story never mind okay no go ahead <laughs> but you're not going to put this in right uh I can <laughs> should i not should i pause no, and i i mean it's it's just a funny story that we should i shouldn't say on the podcast okay so. all right well we'll save it
0: for not even the bonus content yes <laughs> people want to <laughs> become very high rollers
1: uh they can get so, it. If exactly if you okay. send me if you mail me a hundred dollars i will tell you the story oh <laughs> yeah. okay anybody welcome to just uh venmo me a hundred bucks um all right yael bartor Hi, Leah Suffren.
0: Welcome back to The Unspeakable. Thank you, Megan. You are the uh, host of Ask a Jew, which uh, in the time since we last spoke has massively taken off. I can't believe I was even able to book you. So
1: I think we were just uh, we were just named the uh, biggest podcast in the history of uh, podcasting. Okay, in the history of Jewish podcasting. No, no, just oh. like in media in general. I think not even podcasts. Like I think includes Jewish media. media. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, well, no, you've, you've, you've been doing well. So I, when you were last here, it was, I believe, to talk about, as I just referred to them, the October holidays, because that's what uh, Gentiles <laughs> refer to those holidays as. Uh, oh, my God. Yom Kippur. Uh, what's the other one? Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. And there's yeah. other the months when none of your lawyers are and working. And also where you can park anywhere. That, that's the yes, favorite right. part because all the outside street of the side of the street parking is sus- suspended. It's a very <laughs>
2: intense month for us. It's a like literally holiday after holiday. It's a lot. Yeah.
0: How do you get any work done? Like, do you lose salary? Like, is there, is that why there's a wage gap for people who are serving? <laughs> for Jews. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a lot. I and mean, we really don't work
2: much for that whole month. It's easy if you work in a Jewish institution like I do. But for people who have real jobs, it's uh, it gets complicated.
1: Yeah, it's best when it falls, when all the holidays fall in the middle of the week. And then you also get the weekend off.
2: Girl. I know oh, <laughs> that's the best.
0: All
1: right. Well, OK, so now it's Passover. What does that mean? Hila, uh, do you want <laughs> me to take this? Oh,
2: because you're such an expert on Jewish holidays.
1: <laughs> Kyla and I do a, a segment in our whenever there's a holiday, where I I do explain the holiday to her. Okay, <laughs> uh, and I'm a I'm a secular Israeli, so you yeah. know I know um, that you can't eat bread on Passover.
0: Oh, um, well, that's good.
1: I can um I can I can tell you what I think Passover is, and then go for it. It. Okay.
2: Go for it, and then okay. I'll correct the whole thing. After so many years done. ago,
1: hun- hundreds of years ago, <laughs> um, there. <laughs> were Jews in Egypt um, as slaves. Um, and then they went to Pharaoh and they said, let my people go. And Pharaoh was like, Wait, nah. that's a guy? You mean, now why does he not
0: have like um, you know, why is it not, not the Pharaoh? It's, that's his name or?
1: Oh, you know, when yeah. we were growing up, there was only Pharaoh. We don't know about all the other Pharaohs. We just know <laughs> the one that was mean to the Jews. Isn't right that on. a rapper? Ramen? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Pharaoh.
1: Yeah. Okay. Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's like saying Caesar. Farrell. Oh, like I'm thinking of Pharrell.
0: Um, sorry, excuse me. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. no, not Pharrell I Williams. Pharrell.
1: No. No, sorry. I, I don't think Pharrell Williams would do that. He's like a cool skater guy. Okay. Um <laughs> so, so we're like, let let our people go. Not we, like Moses. Moses was our yeah. um was our lawyer, lawyer uh, yeah. representative. He had a uh, power of attorney <laughs> over all the Jews. Um that's right. And, Mo- and then Pharaoh was like, no. And then um, Moses was in a basket in the water. Oh that, that's when he was a baby. Um, he was a lawyer and a baby. <laughs> yeah. He was a baby lawyer. It's like a movie with um, Alec Baldwin. I don't know if you've ever seen it. No, that, that was before. I just remembered that he was a baby in, the, in a basket in the water. Anyway, Moses was like, we're all getting out of here. There's no time to make bread. So just take the, the unleavened bread that you made and then we escaped and as we escaped there were 10 plagues of which i know four or five perhaps <laughs> um the more gruesome ones and then we we went through the desert for 40 years even though egypt and israel are not like it Your neighbors. Take yeah like how <laughs> slow were they going <laughs> yeah 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 it's as as i think um uh. louis ck said uh once about you know traveling back in those days mm-hmm. you'd you'd start one group of people and you'd finish like a whole different group of people yeah um, and then, uh, and then Moses parted the Red Sea and we ate bread that fell from the sky. And that's, uh, why we're here I today. I think they'd <laughs> be able to walk faster given all those other technologies. <laughs> I the don't know. The sea. Jews, it was yeah. hot okay. and people were probably complaining and saying like, oh, we should go that way. We they go were. that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was a golden calf. Don't forget that. That's what, that was a huge thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy to uh, come to your Passover seder uh, if you tell me when that is, and tell you the story of Passover. All of our ancestors are weeping right now from the El's <laughs> version of the story.
0: <laughs> okay, they are weeping. You're not allowed to eat that. bread, but you're not allowed to eat bread anyway now. So yeah, I it's gluten free. Yeah. It's Ugh. it's
1: the holiday of of uh, being free of gluten when gluten when the Jews started developing uh, stomach problems.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's true.
1: Okay, so is are there any gaps to fill in there, Kylie? I mean,
2: that whole story was just wrong. I mean, not Sometimes totally I
1: wrong. But <laughs> I, get, I got the story of Purim confused <laughs> with the uh, story of Aladdin because there's a lot of similarities. There's like a Persian <laughs> king. And oh, okay. My, my, I, I got that confused with the story the of the Little Mermaid. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly.
2: No, listen, Passover is definitely pr- the most celebrated Jewish holiday. Uh, more Jews go to a Seder than any other... Jewish event. And it's, if you're Orthodox and if you're a Hasidic, like I am, it is literally your whole life is turned over for the eight days of the holiday and, and two, at least two weeks before. Um, it's, it's a big deal. Like secular Jews and religious Jews do not have the same kind of Passover <laughs> because not only don't we eat bread, but we don't eat many foods on Passover. And we, have to like turn over our whole kitchens basically like we take out all our pots and pans and dishes and pantry i mean we empty our kitchens and put in all passover stuff what because like i won't use yeah like we don't cook in the same no like like, i won't use the same pots that i use during the year i won't cook with them for passover (sighs) so i have i have passover pots and passover dishes and everything new for passover this is like kosher
1: plus
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. Kosher yeah. plus, plus, plus. Yeah.
1: And they wonder why they yeah. can't fit in. And like, we don't
2: eat, if you're Ashkenazi, if your family is Ashkenazi, there's like a bunch of things you don't eat, like beans and rice and corn. And I mean, like a ton of stuff. If your family is or from or Mizrahi, like Middle Eastern or North African, then you have more options. But we literally, our diet consists of like meat and chicken and eggs and fruits and vegetables. And and in in the Hasidic community, this is like a deep take right now, but we only eat fruits and vegetables that you can peel. So if you can't peel it, we don't eat it. Okay, why? Because like if you can't peel it, there might be what's called chametz, which is like unleavened bread like what we don't eat on like what's biblically commanded not to eat we don't want we're very very careful not to like have even the smallest tiniest speck of oh like oh my god they're very orthodox
1: jews are very yes, literal it's very people. OCD. yes yes
2: it is it is you lose weight lad do you lose weight on Paso? you can if you're careful but it's also like there's a lot of i mean you eat a lot of matzah you eat a lot oh. of because we're very limited what we eat it's like so. being vegan you could go either way Well, yeah, exactly. We eat a lot of potatoes, a lot of, you know, yeah. Yeah. But it's a tremendous amount of work. I mean, because you basically, we have huge meals, you know, for eight days. You have to make everything from scratch. There's no buying. We don't buy any food from like a store or so it's like tons of cooking and everybody comes home. Like my boys who are away for the year, everybody comes home for Passover. That's like the time that every family is. It's like Christmas, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, or Thanksgiving. And it's a lot of work, but now there's a new, like a new thing where a lot of Orthodox families go to hotels because they take these like fancy hotels and do Passover programs there where everything is done for you. You just show up. Oh, so that's so there's like like, no beans. What's the rationale for not having (laughs) the bean free hotel?
0: Or th- all those other things?
2: There's not really a good reason. It's called kidneys. And there's not really a great reason why we don't. It's kind of like one of those things where like the everything was stored in the same place, like the flour and the beans and the rice. And so we just like are very careful about it. in Europe or in the ancient times, it was like hard to differentiate what things were. But we now we just do it literally for tradition, like custom.
1: Megan, it's, tradi- it's uh. like a fiddler on the roof.
2: Yeah, it's tradition. just it's there's no it's there's no logical reason. It's literally just tradition. Uh, and uh, like one other thing, I'll tell you. Like we don't. This is crazy. I mean, I'm like the most extreme version of this, but we don't wet our matzah. So like people make matzah balls, we don't do that.
1: What? Like, That's we, like the one no.
2: good
0: thing about matzo. wait. So you don't you have, have matzah ball soup.
2: We don't have matzo, but We can have soup, but we don't have matzo balls, and we don't have matzah brai and we don't do anything to our matza to make it wet. At all? Oh,
1: that's
2: so. Why? Oh. Yeah, because it could turn. This is it, why there's
1: anti-Semitism. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to blame. <laughs> Are you allowed dude. to make the yeah. little sandwich with the um other that other stuff? What is it called? Yeah, like, yeah. Proset?
0: So
2: at the seder, yeah, we make haroset, and I mean, we do the seder is a big deal. I mean, it's
0: hours and hours, and yeah, tell me it's, about look, it. I, it's hard. I've I, know, been a guest. I can't imagine. <laughs> Can you imagine what it's like for us, like no. dumb gentiles? Like we're already no. like it's not low, ours. If,
1: yeah. We're low If you come fan. to my seder, it's not ours. Mm-hmm. We go through it pretty quickly. <laughs> wow. So that I'll tell you something. <laughs> yeah.
2: Go. Listen. I'll tell you something. Like it's it's hard. It's a lot. I mean, for women especially, it's a lot. I mean, everybody. Like all my friends get anxious about this. It's a big deal. But I have to say, like it's the memories of Passover and the Seder and the whole like experience of like preparing for it is just something that I treasure, like even from growing up, like it's not. And I know that's not the case for everyone. I happen to come from I'm lucky that I come from a very functional, fun family. So like it was fun, even though there were times that were high tension. I mean, you have to imagine like the four days before Passover, your house is upside down. Like we're I mean, we go to the extent that like you have to have your car detailed, like you don't want to even see you, you don't you can't even see the bread. You can't see bread. Or crackers or pretzels. Wait, you or have chips. to have your like,
1: car detailed. Yeah, yeah to like because you you're gonna use your car.
2: Out? You're gonna
1: like, what? yeah. You
2: need to clean out your. Yes, yes. You might Inhale a breadcrumb. No, like we don't even see. You can't see chametz. Like you can't even see it. What if you're like, watching
1: TV and there's like a subway commercial? That's different. Like you can't have you can't it near be you in or real see life. It. But yeah. uh, what if you're yeah.
0: um, like going out and you no, you, like, that's sit fine. So you don't own. There, you can't own part of a a power bar
2: wrapper. No, that's fine. You can't own the Chomet. You can't own any unleavened bread during Passover. That's the point. So we actually not only clean out everything, but we also sell our, this is so, oh my God, this is so funny, but we sell everything. We sell all of our Chomets. So like, I don't (laughs) throw away my whole pantry, right? I close it. We we like tape it up. And then the rabbi, we sell it to a rabbi and then the rabbi sells everything. Everyone in the in the neighborhood or or city okay. to a non-Jew, I, do you know? and the non-Jew <laughs> owns it for the whole Passover. Oh, and then and then sells and then they it sell it back, or and then they, they sell come it back as soon as Passover is over. A lower price it becomes- or a higher price? I mean, the whole thing is like a dollar. It's like very symbolic, but the point but is, wait, is that you, you, you don't own still- it
1: have it in your house closed in the cupboard yeah, like locked I up know
2: that. yeah we can like lock it up and like close up the stuff and then you don't own it so you can't open the closet and take stuff because so come to your, if i own it i could come to your house and like start eating right technically decline. the non-jew can and it's mm. really cute like in a lot of cities like there's this one non-jewish person who like does it every year and he buys all the chametz for like the whole city and it's yeah Oh,
0: and this a lot. has been going on for like a, a long time or is this some kind of modern, right? Relatively modern. No, thing? that's, this is, it's been going on for a long time. I mean, it used to be a lot simpler, you know, like I think about my great-grandparents
2: living in the shtetl in Europe, like they probably had one pot and one pan. So they just, I don't know, like switched it out. They don't have the elaborate kitchens that we have and the complicated like pantries. And you know what I'm saying? It was just different. They don't have four months worth of like cereal from Costco. That like, right? <laughs> I deal, like, deal easier with. for
0: people in New York City too, because they have smaller kitchens. Yeah. Maybe. Oh yeah. Mm. For sure. For sure. One but like, thing. if
2: you would walk into a religious Jew's kitchen on Passover, it will look like a spaceship because there's tinfoil covering every every spot of the kitchen, and it's it's pretty hilarious.
0: <laughs> yeah. What is it like in Israel? nothing.
1: Um, it used to be that you, uh, it was hard to get bread, but now it's pretty much like where I grew up in Tel Aviv. You have to like, remember that it's Passover. So you ask if you keep Passover, you have to ask them not to bring you the bread basket. (laughs) Yeah. Tel Aviv is like (laughs) super, super secular. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah, Ellen and I definitely
2: represent like two extreme parts of the Jewish community. That in America, like, live near each other, but don't really cross too much. But, like, in Israel, it's a bigger deal. Like, these two communities are trying to coexist, and it's complicated.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely complicated. Yeah. Well, as an Orthodox Jew, Hailea, are
0: you frustrated that Israel is so secular? I mean,
2: there's a part of me that loves freedom and liberty and democracy.
0: A <laughs> small so, part. A part of me. I don't <laughs> let it get out of hand.
2: There's a big part that, like, you know, that I just appreciate that everyone could do whatever they want. And like, I don't like, I can't imagine a world where everyone's orthodox and like, but on the other hand, it's, There is a part that's kind of sad that, like, we finally have a country, you know, after two thousand years, and it sometimes doesn't feel like a Jewish country. But the truth is, like, when I go to Israel, I don't spend a lot of time in Tel Aviv. So if I'm in only in Jerusalem, which is where I spend most of my time, you definitely feel it in the air. I mean, you the holidays are incredible. Like for a Jew, I'm saying, you know, like the streets are closed and everybody's doing the same thing and thousands and thousands of American Jews go to Israel for the holidays and like, you just have a whole different sense of it. But yeah, I mean, when I go to Tel Aviv and I see like, you know, pork on the menu at restaurants or like people eating bread on Pesach, like, yeah, there's a part of me that's like, well, that's kind of disappointing, you know, but yeah. I also love liberty. So that's what you have to live I get with. it
1: in a way, like I get how it would be like, it's funny because in the f- last few years, um, Halloween has become really big in Israel. And there's no reason for it aside from the fact that we see it on TV and, like, movies and we think it's really cool. And, you know, there's, like, Halloween decorations and even schools do, like, Halloween stuff and the kids dress up and they go trick-or-treating. And I could see how, as, like, a more, like, religious person would be upset by that. And and not that Halloween's a, a, you know, necessarily religious holiday, but it's, like, it's, like, really, we have Purim. Like, we have one like this already. We don't need this American one, too. But then also like for for israelis like me the jewish identity is so different it has nothing to do with the torah and or even god um but more to do with like you know the country and the values of the country and you know more modern take on on judaism
0: okay so what did yael get wrong about the passover story <laughs>
2: <laughs> there I was mean, a basket Yes. I mean, definitely there's a lot there that, you know, that's kind of the narrative. But I'm a big believer, like, and this is not my own ideas, but like the concept of memory and history and the difference between the two, you know, like history is just a story that you can learn about another people or something that happened to others. But the idea of memory is like our story, like what happened to me. And Passover is that for the Jewish people. This is our memory. And I think the rabbis did an incredible job of like, Creating an experience that we do every single year to remind ourselves about, you know, the story of the Exodus and how the Jews were freed from slavery by the hand of God and, and you know, how Moses, you know, came and saved the day and all that, like that that whole thing. And I think it's been the reason that Jews have been able to carry throughout whatever period of time we were going through, right? Like every time in history, Passover was a constant um reminder that there's a hope, right? That God is with us and you know, God is gonna eventually save us somehow. And like that's why you read about stories like in times of the Crusades or the Inquisition or even the Holocaust, how like Jews would literally not eat their tiny little piece of bread that they were getting in the concentration camp because it was Passover, right? And so they would like forsake it because of that. And I think it's because the rabbis did an incredible job of really grounding the whole story in memory and making it part of who we are. And I think like about a lot of minorities in this country, like they need Passover for their history, you know, like a way to commemorate it year after year and celebrate it and pass it on to the kids. I mean, the whole idea is that it's for our kids. The the whole Seder, everything we do at the Seder is because we want the kids to be asking questions and talking about it and discussing it. And I think, I mean, the rabbis were really advanced in a way to institute these kinds of things 2,000 years ago, right? Like now every educator is like, oh, experiential learning is the best way. And it's like, no shit, Sherlock. Mm. Like we've been doing it for 2,000 years. The rabbis were into phonics before anybody else. (laughs) No
0: shit, rabbi.
2: Yeah. But I just, you know, look, it's, we have a unique story in the world. And I think Passover is just a really important reminder of who the Jews are, what is our history, and and what our memory is, really, of the things that happened to us. So... Yeah, I mean, I could go on. And
0: I, I'm sorry, I don't want to be like a rabbi boring everyone here with the no, sermon, no, but like- <laughs> it's fascinating. So but speaking of the kids, like do yeah. your kids get really into it, because you've got four teenage boys, yeah. basically, like, do they ever get just like eye rolling? And like, Ugh, I can't believe we have to do this again.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, of course, there are moments that are like boring and annoying. And the like the Haggadah, which is the The book we read through at the Seder. Yeah. So like in a lot of places, like they just skip the long boring parts. But like when you're Orthodox, like those are the important parts. And we like say every word and we do tons of songs and and, but it's like fun because all the songs are like fun for the kids from when they were kids and they knew different tunes and we like we make really the Seder is about making the kids enjoy it and like appreciate it and ask more. Wow. Yeah. And like my kids all like spend a month before Passover studying about passover in school so they come with like all this stuff to share and ideas and it's like it's really special it really is when you're
1: secular you only do the part before dinner right (laughs) well i have to say so when
0: you're gentile and you go to passover seder like you just realize like that it's not gonna it's gonna go on and on like there's that moment where you're like oh we're only on page six yeah, <laughs> and then, but I feel like it's probably a little bit analogous to like if you're not a Christian and you go to church or mass on Christmas Eve and you have to right. sing all the all the songs and you realize that there's like six verses of each song, <laughs> like it's not just that yeah. you're going to sing Silent Night. There's like really many many <laughs> verses that people don't know, but you have to. Go if through you're all invited,
1: of them. if you're invited to Passover dinner, and this is a public service announcement for your listeners. Eat before. Because, <laughs> no, seriously, because you're not going to eat until yeah. like a, two hours before, like after you get there. At least in my house, it's
2: a lot more than that. But you're not supposed yeah. to yeah, fast. That's not that. Thick. No, okay. No, so you no. can't no, eat no. before. Okay. There's no fasting. Okay. Yeah. It was. I have to say this really cute story. So there's a part in the Seder where you like the three main things that you're supposed to do is like remember the Passover sacrifice and the marar, which is the bitter herbs. And, you know, whatever, there's like all this stuff that you do. My grandfather, we used to go every year when I was a kid, we would fly to New York for Passover and be with my grandparents. My grandfather was so hilarious at the Seder because he like hadn't, he was so ADD before that was like a thing and he like couldn't handle it. And he was always misbehaving and my grandmother would yell at him the whole time. And every year when we would do the part about Marar, which is bitter herbs, he would scream and point at my grandmother, Marar, Marar, like, you know, she's the bitter herbs. And we would, die of laughter. We were little kids. We didn't even understand what was going on. But the whole, that's the thing. Like, that's what we remember every year now is like my grandfather calling my grandmother Marar and pointing at her. And so it's just, I don't know. I hope my kids are getting that too. Like the fun parts and not just the boring story parts, you know?
0: Okay. What are you going to do this year? Is it the same? Is it every year? Like, do you have- Yeah. I mean, I I like-
2: Well, sometimes we go away. This year I'm staying home, so I'm a little stressed out because I have a lot to do to get prepared. But I kind of like it. You know, we'll do a lot of my family comes to town. We'll have big, huge meals and hang out. And my boys are going to come home. So that's exciting. And yeah, I mean, I could just say like really quick, like matzah, we don't eat the square, like the boxes that you buy in the store. We only eat shmora matzah, which is the round. Do you know the difference? Nope. There's like so handmade shmora matzah is like round and baked in an oven and you pay like a thousand dollars for <laughs> one box of it. like really? quite a thousand, but it's very expensive. Really,
0: it's not it's like in yeah, Whole it's Foods a very, kind of thing. No, they oh. don't really sell <laughs> it. They don't sell it in dollars. like
2: oh, is I it know. Organic? It's just flour and water and they make it in the bay. It's the most kosher version of matzah, not like the square boxes that you buy in the grocery store, which nothing is wrong with that. It's just a custom that Hasidic Jews only eat round shmura matzah. And I just want to say one thing just because I feel like I should teach one good point about Pesach. (laughs) But matzah represents the ego in Hasidic philosophy and like the idea that a leavened bread, like the stuff we eat during the year is like your puffed up ego. And for like eight days of the year, we eat like the flat cardboard matzah because like we have to remind ourselves that you have to like push down your ego and not always be like all about me, 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 me. And I think like in the times we're living right now, that's actually a really good message. And just to like simplify and go back to basics and – Think about the things that are really important and not center yourself all the time and everything.
0: Oh my God, I had no idea so, about that. Yeah. yeah. Me neither. Did you know that, Yael? yeah? Yeah. Nope.
2: And it's called, like, matzah is called, the rabbis call it, like, lechem oni, the um, bread of affliction, like, poor man's bread. And again, it's like supposed to be a way to, like, rethink about your priorities and what you're doing and how to, like, be more present in the
0: world. And yeah. So, yeah, yeah. What are you doing for Passover? Just going to a bar?
1: <laughs> <laughs> going to get some sandwiches um no actually uh my my parents are going are coming to town and i think we're going to do a little uh passover seder for friends friend friends like a friends giving but for passover we do read the hagada but you know it's it's very very like casual. on 2x um,
0: like the way you would listen to a podcast <laughs> at twice yeah the speed.
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you know, sometimes we skip the boring parts or we, we add like commentary or, you know, talk about current affairs. I don't, Kayla. do you guys do that too? Like talk about, like tie things into current affairs? Um, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, but more we're like, we do a
2: lot of singing. We really try to like sing almost the whole Haggadah. And, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm less, less about the singing part yeah. and more about the, uh eating i guess but no it's 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 fun you know family like if i'm if i'm in israel like family comes over and um, everybody has a good meal and the, they, you drink four glasses of wine that's like literally in the book it's like yeah. part of the rules oh. so that's always fun yeah but they're really small I, we had glasses a, that's it i mean not necessarily a, really? no okay <laughs> i don't know I mean, okay I remember
2: as a kid, I don't know if I, I yeah, I'll share the story, but um, <laughs> we, we, we grow up, like I grew up, my parents, you know, my father's a rabbi and my mother, you know, they like have a big community. And so we have two outside of Israel, holidays are two days in Israel. It's only one day. So if you live in Israel, you only have one Seder. But if you live outside of Israel, we have two, two nights. So one of the nights, the first night, we always had like a big community Seder for people you know, in the community who don't have family or needed a place to go. And it was always like a big, you know, 50, 60 to 100 or 150 people, depended on the situation. And there's a story, I mean, I remember this like yesterday, but in fourth grade, we would always learn in the school I went to, they would teach us the Manashtana, which is the four questions, which is like a kind of a highlight of the Seder. They would teach it to us in Yiddish when we were in fourth grade. And it was like a big deal. And it was like you said it in Yiddish in front of the family, and everybody was so proud and happy. So my youngest brother learned the Manashtana that year. He was in fourth grade and he was so excited to do it. And my he like set himself up to sit next to my father at the table because he was like excited to share the Manashtana in Yiddish. And my father was like excited and everything was ready and then... Like a minute before the seder started, an uninvited guest showed up at the house, like who had an RSVP or said they were coming, and in the like chaos <laughs> Is this of a like non-Jew? what happened. this
0: sounds like a gentile. He no, was like I guess I'll go. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get a better no, invite. It was- I know.
2: No, it was a Jewish guy. And like in the chaos of what happened, my father just to start like, you know, to save time, moved my brother away and put him like at the other end Aww. and put this guy right next to him. And my brother ended up like leaving the Seder in the middle and like going to his room and going to sleep. Aww. And the next day, my father, no one said anything about it. It was not a thing. But the next day in synagogue, my father got up to speak. And my father does not cry. He's like a very like. And your funny, father's like, a rabbi, I you know, should say.
1: Yeah, yeah. he's a rabbi. Right. And he's been on our show a bunch of times. He's hilarious. He got up to speak in, in
2: synagogue the next day and I was sitting there and I, I like just I still get chills when I think about it. And he started to cry up from the pulpit and he said, I never understood what child sacrifice was but I did it to my son last night. I sacrificed my son for someone else, for an asshole who couldn't make an RSVP. <gasps> Wait, was that guy there? And like, no, he wasn't there. He said, I sacrificed my child who waited and couldn't, he was so excited to share with me. And I, in a second, just threw him to the side because someone walked in who I thought was more important to give him a place. And what is more important than my, my nine-year-old son who wants to say the monastana to me, and yet it's to my father, was bawling. He was bawling. And I just like, till today, I get choked up with that story, you know, and like, think about, you know, what we do to our kids sometimes without even meaning to, right? Like, my father was trying to do a good thing. He was bringing in more people to have Seder with us. But it came at the expense of my brother. And it was just mm-hmm. like a mea that culpa. happens
1: when you uh, stop eating carbs. Yeah. yeah, really. I don't
0: know. Children cool. should be seen and not heard. This, it was, I don't think this would. No, ever, this would never point. happen in a in a gentile household. It should be like that's <laughs> what the
1: guests. You, you wouldn't and sing that's the point. Yeah,
0: that's <laughs> the
2: point. We have to send. You know, we have to give our kids this this kind of stuff if we want them to care about
1: you know our faith and tradition and all this stuff. What you if your kid's really them? annoying though? I mean, not your. I know your brother's not annoying, but what if you have a you really know, annoying guy kid? that guy
0: who came in, he was a kid once himself. He was yeah. probably
2: a yeah. little asshole. Yeah, but he wasn't my father's kid.
0: I mean, let his parents
1: deal with him. Not that we know of. Maybe that's why he was there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: maybe that's why your father was crying. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you mentioned a second ago, like, people in the community who don't have family. Are there, like, yeah. um, you know, confirmed bachelors and and spinsters yeah. in the community? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yes. Yes, definitely and
2: there are like people who are divorced and people who just don't you know yeah for sure
0: and are there people who just like are child free or whatever yes yeah there are people who never <laughs> had children
1: um, but not by but, choice right but, but i mean like cuz they but everybody yeah. okay but how does that work because not because they don't want to like pollute or like contribute to global warming no.
0: <laughs> yeah they, they the population bomb but wait are they but there's so much matchmaking are there people who just yeah. never get married yeah, unfortunately, yes. And it's really
2: difficult. Like it's it's hard. What I mean, makes
1: you what makes you unmatchable? Like
2: you know, it used to be very, very rare. Like, I mean, I I know like let's say my mother's generation, she had like one friend who didn't get married till she was like older. Until but, she was like, like twenty seven. No, like I mean like till she was fifty, you know, or <laughs> oh, fifty five. Well, so there's
0: hope, see. Yeah, but Why like my generation.
2: She just didn't, I don't know, for lots of different reasons. But like in my, I mean, I have classmates of mine. I mean, I'm 42 and they're, you know, I hate saying this because we still call everyone girls, but like there are still girls who aren't married. And like I think about in a community like ours that's so tight knit, like we're starting, my friends are starting to marry off their kids. Like I, many of my friends are making weddings for their children already and becoming grandmothers and like my classmates. And we have friends who are still not married. And so it's like this really, Uncomfortable, like, just tension between like being, you know, single at 42 and like your friend or sister or cousin is like
0: marrying off their child. Are they it's, trying to date? Are they like on, yeah, for date or something?
1: Like, yeah, how but are it's they so
0: hard? But it's, would they gets, date
1: non they wouldn't date non-cute, though, so, right?
2: No way. I mean, some of them wouldn't even date non-chabad guys right. or non-orthodox or non-I
0: mean, so is it that they like have bad personalities or like, what's the reason? <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, no, they're all amazing. I don't, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Are they, I'm going to, I'm going to ask the hard question. I'm going to get myself canceled. Oh my Are God. they, are they significantly overweight? Um, So that it's
2: interesting. I mean, it depends. Like looks does definitely play a role. I mean, in, in any community, I think, but definitely in, in the Orthodox community, um, I think there's different things, you know. Sometimes it's a family issue. Sometimes it's a personality issue. Sometimes it's looks. Sometimes it's uh, I don't know. It's really hard. I mean, it's it beca- it's it's not hard if you live in the regular world and everyone's single. But when you live in it
0: again, like when you live in a community like ours, it's it's complicated and difficult. Are they gay? Know? Do you think they're secretly lesbians? Not your friends, of course. Just yeah, you know, no,
2: none of my hypothetically. Friends,
1: but- <laughs>
2: No, I think like I, I'm sure there's that.
0: I'm sure there's that, but you know. But some- what about
1: the guys? We started talking about this, and we just completely went to oh, the yeah. Girls. What about the incel yeah. guys? Yeah, <laughs> um, the N-cell. guys
2: definitely have more of a pick. Like they, it's easier to be a guy. I think. I think there's just like you, the ball is definitely in the guys' court in a way. But, you know, I have a brother-in-law. I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying this, but he didn't get married till he was uh, 41, which was pretty, you know, old or I think he was 39 maybe. But um, he married a much younger girl um, and he was just really picky. Like he dated and dated and dated and he was super picky and nobody and the girls he liked didn't like him and the girls that liked him he didn't like. And so it just never happened for him. So he's like a person in the normal world.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, a yeah. Normal, like every man I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's
2: but like every dating experience is like draining, right? Like you go through a matchmaker and it's like a whole big deal. And it, all the research that you do on each other, it's not like, oh, I'll just go to the bar and pick someone up and like see if it works. So it was a lot. It was it was tr- very try. It's very trying on them.
0: Hmm.
2: So I know my father always says whenever I'm at his house, like eating cereal and milk at the table, like randomly, which I do sometimes. He's like, can you imagine if you weren't married and you still lived here? What would I do with myself? I'm like, wow, that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, dad. Now,
0: yeah. Yeah. If you met like the perfect guy, but he happened to be a Hasidic, would you go for it?
1: I, I mean, I I I think that might be an, an oxymoron there. Um. What, what what if Kylie if introduced you to like the most amazing exactly? Guy? I mean, I I think I would have to start dating Jewish guys first for that to work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I no, I I wouldn't I wouldn't mind it if somebody's like a little more mm-hmm. you know religiously conservative than I am. Would you start covering your hair for someone? Um, I mean, no. No, But I was trying to think if there's, like, anything in it for me. I'm like, oh. What about if they were, like, really
2: good at sex and, like, really smart and, like. <laughs> but like, they they
1: also a virgin. There, yeah. But now wait. If that's, right. they, if that's what they led with on the first date <laughs> and they were like, Listen. <laughs> I wanna tell you, I'm more traditional, it's really important to me, but I'm also very good at sex. <laughs> are they so. are they guys, is it known that they are not virgins,
0: whereas the single girls no. are supposed to be? It's assumed mm. it's assumed that everyone is is virgin. But, everyone.
1: Really? But aren't yeah. there but highlight aren't there people who like I don't know, I, I've heard stories about like Hasidic people who like go to orgies and do a lot of drugs?
2: Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of Hasidic people. So there are a few that do that, but the vast majority don't. And like, mm. that's one of the reasons we get married super young and super fast. And everybody, trust me, like, <laughs> so there is drugs
1: with their partner and orgies with their partners. Yeah.
2: Like, they're not, I mean, most, uh, again, I'm not saying everyone, there are people who are, but the vast majority of people in the Orthodox world are virgins when they get married. I'm not saying they didn't play around in other ways. Maybe some people are, you know, making out or doing other stuff, but, but like actual sex, I think is it's rare in the Orthodox world before marriage. Yeah.
0: I mean, based on like what I hear from now yeah. <laughs> we're we're seeing these things <laughs> like, um, what did I just, it was like 30% of met single men haven't had sex in the last year or there was, it's like under yeah. single men under 30 or something, or maybe even really? yeah, something there was. A well, there's always that talk. Percent, yeah. Yeah. About-
1: how people are having less and less sex but i also think people are like just don't know how to interact with with other human beings and right i mean this is not a yeah. jewish or religious thing it's just i think people were you know we were talking earlier before um about this article that i read and it was like how to not be offensive and it, the person in it was giving people advice on how to approach like sensitive topics and she sounded like a robot so now we also have people who don't know how to interact with other people giving advice to other people right. on how to interact yeah. with other people.
2: Yeah. That's yeah, like, I mean Judaism definitely believe holds that sex is a very important part of life and like encourages sex, but obviously in the context of marriage, but like this idea that young people are like refraining from intimacy and like not having sex is so sad. I mean it's such an important part of life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, y'all do you have anything to add to this? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I completely disagree. I think it's,
0: uh, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, oh,
2: <laughs>
1: are you a virgin, yeah, L? Are you a virgin? I'm just you No, know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the right, uh, Hasidic guy to come along.
0: <laughs> so am I. Let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. Well, how's the podcast been going? It's you, as I've said, it's really one of my very favorite podcasts. I think never you. miss it. Thank you. It's my
1: worst podcast, but they,
0: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> Kyle doesn't even listen really, to you it. You don't
0: love the sound of your own voice? It's a, oh, just oh God. Lose, it's like twer- a lullaby.
1: <laughs> we kind of had opposite experiences. So for people who don't know, our podcast is is Ask a Jew. And I'm obviously secular. Kyle is not. And we talk a lot about the Holocaust and like weight loss. And sometimes about the Holocaust and weight loss. Um, uh, <laughs> we wanted to, yeah. I, um, I'm telling you, best diet anyway. Best, yeah. 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 It's hard to get off but of when it we talk though. about, it's, you know,
0: there's not, it's like <laughs> once you're on your yeah. slippery slope.
1: A lot of, uh, taboo topics, let's say. Mm. And, um, it's, it's going great. I mean, we, we love doing it. We were just recording the other day and we hadn't spoken for a while because I was, uh, I was out of the country. And for us, sometimes it's just like, you know, catching up with a friend and mm. that we happen to record it. Uh, which was really fun. And the fact that people like to listen to it is kind of baffling (laughs) to us, but it's also amazing. And and we've had opposite reactions to this um, (laughs) podcast. I think it's made her more insecure (laughs) and me. It's just turned me into a complete monster. Like I have just like become this fame seeking. Is it
0: making you like very in demand socially? Do you see, are you getting like better invitations? Are you getting Mm -hmm. like invited to the white house? Sort of oh, yeah.
1: yeah, we still haven't gotten invited to the the White House thing. We are hoping that the rise in anti semitism will be really good for our yeah. brand. <laughs> so we're waiting. We're kind of waiting to go on like Megyn Kelly. I think we need like an uptick in well, hate. You need to do some that. hoax
0: crimes just to get yeah. Yeah, the ball yeah rolling but I
1: think for you, you yeah. know, I think it's just a really good time to have a podcast that makes fun of anti semitism. So <laughs> yeah. we want that to work for us i mean have people yeah el thinks
2: yeah el acts as if we like are like joe rogan like she was yeah. she's our
1: like co- our, colleague. our colleague she calls him our colleague joe mm-hmm. rogan i'm like <laughs> he's not our colleague we went well, it's your fault because what because last year you were here and we went to crown heights and somebody <laughs> recognized us on the street like literally really? the only place yeah somebody would like know us is crown heights <laughs> brooklyn Cause they're all like related to, I don't know if Hila told you this, but all Orthodox Jews are related. <laughs> that is if not they're true. Not, like, if they're not like cousins, they're married to each other.
2: Oh my God. That's so So funny. yeah, so that,
1: that set me on this path. And you know, I just would like you to respect my privacy. Yeah. That's okay. right. You should do yeah. like
0: events, you know, like podcasters that they have like I meetups. Know. You should do like a Passover, like, you know, like, <laughs> oh a, like a major, you should do like a Seder, like a Seder meetup. That Are would be funny, fans. yeah.
1: Well, we do we do want to do uh, we're hoping to do like a Zoom hangout at least, and we've met some of our. So we were born from from the Fifth Column podcast, and um, like from the rib we call, of the Fifth <laughs> Column. <laughs> no, we call them like our deadbeat like father who like walked out on us when we were babies <laughs> and like sends us like a card once a year because we met through the Fifth Column. But they, they've actually been incredible and.
0: Really, really you met jobs. through the 5th col- the 5th column fan community. Yeah, we talked about yeah. this yeah. last time I think. Yeah. yeah, well so but now there's all these uh, territorial battles between the podcasts for the the hangouts. I had to reschedule my hangout because it was conflicting with Smoke 'em if you got 'em Zoom oh. oh, wow! and then I and then I said, "Okay, well, I'll make it at this other time." And they said, "No, no, no that's when the 5th column hangout is." So,
1: <laughs> they're actually they actually have a hangout right now as we speak.
0: That's so funny. But as we, we're recording yeah, this. Check- yeah as
1: we're recording this yeah, I'm, okay thank you for
0: coming to this That's so, so we're, we're, having,
1: we're having i don't fun go here.
0: i mean i'm like i feel bad
2: i
1: don't go to a lot of the hangouts anymore on the stuff i don't well, know there I'm like, used to be a time over those, zoom. Like, those glory days of covid yeah the really fun days of covid when we would do like zoom happy hour everybody bring a drink i, I know yeah
0: well i know so okay i so, mean yeah I could just say one thing. Sorry. But like,
2: I was at a bar mitzvah yesterday.
1: Of course you were.
2: This <laughs> woman was so excited to meet me because she's a big fan of the podcast. And I'm just like, why?
1: I don't know. <laughs> why? That's a great way to grow our, our community. It
0: why? Really funny.
1: Can I recommend some other podcasts to you that you might want to listen to instead of our podcast? Um, no, but we get um, we get some nice feedback because yeah. I guess people like... People, everybody takes themselves too seriously and like, you know, we talk about, like I said, we talk a lot about anti-Semitism and I don't think we talk about it like it's a serious topic, but I think we talk about it in a way that's kind of maybe funny sometimes. Because sometimes anti-Semitism is funny. Like when they do like, <laughs> this, when they get the swastika wrong, so it's like a really hard shape to draw. <laughs> um, sometimes it's funny. So we get, yeah. I think, people who are just irreverent and then my favorite, I, I may, I don't hide the fact that I prefer our non-jewish listeners to our jewish listeners oh i just value them more yeah yeah because i mean because they don't have to be get any jewish listener
0: pretty much
1: yeah right we have all of the jewish listeners we're looking to expand
0: (laughs) (laughs) so how are you feeling about uh i don't know what anti-semitism israel i know you you recently had a big trip to israel you you took a bunch of Mm -hmm. people not me. I, I I did not go. I was not invited. <laughs>
1: you but, uh, you have an open invitation. I, uh,
0: oh my gosh. Say? Um, I want to go with you, Megan. I know. Forget those people.
1: I want to take some of the LA people. I wanna take you. I wanna take Bridget Fetessy. Uh I wanna take all the the LA people that I like to listen to. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I um I love going back and forth to Israel. My I grew up there, my family's there. I love taking people there because I think it's never what you expect it's a very crazy country people you 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 talk to politicians and journalists and you hear different opinions from everyone and we tell people like when you come to israel with questions and you're going to leave with even more questions Wow! so it's like uh, the heterodoxy it's like the idw except it's yeah uh, IDF. yeah and i think maybe that's why (laughs) a lot of uh, israelis or jews kind of gravitate towards that that way of thinking because it's really, you know, nothing is black and white in that country. Yeah. And, but it's also very, very fun. There's like a great food scene, a great art scene, a great beach scene, but you also remember how like that you're in the middle East. So the other day uh, there was a terrorist attack a few days ago and there was a shooting. Uh, a guy came in and shot uh, three people at a restaurant and it was uh, literally across the street from the bar that I was sitting with all of my American friends in November that we brought to Israel. Wow. So, you know, it's kind of like there's a reminder sometimes that you're like, oh, this is a really modern progressive country and like tech and, you know, all these fun things. And then once in a while you get like blown up.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's a way to put it. No. So were the the <laughs> delegation that you brought? Were they like surprised? Ha, ha, like what was the kind of uh, reaction from the trip? Yeah,
1: I think I think people. I think you don't go to Israel. It's like never what you expect. I was um, totally shocked
0: when I I, I. I said before when I went there years ago, yeah. it was the most Christian country I'd ever seen. It was buses yeah. Well, it
1: depends how you go, right? Like if you, people. <laughs> You can go to all the <laughs> Christian sites, you can go to all the Jewish sites, you can go you can do a trip to Israel and just do like the secular liberal mm. parts. You can do nature trip to Israel and see like the desert and the mountains and Dead Sea. Um it's I think people are always shocked by how small it is. Yeah, isn't it's it like, like the, the size, size of, of New Jersey? Jersey? Yeah. yeah. And like an like when I was growing up you know, you either, I mean, not either, but people leave, live in like Jerusalem or Tel Aviv, let's say it's like the LA and New York of the of the country. And people who grew up in Jerusalem, they're like, the thing that everybody knew about them is that there's no beach there, right? Like if you live in Jerusalem, you can't go to the beach. And in retrospect, you think about it, it's like, the, Tel Aviv is an hour drive. Yeah, really, it's Jerusalem. like living on the east side of LA. The yeah, west yeah, exactly. But like in, in Israel, like that's as far as you can guess, like- like oh my god, you, there's an hour. You know, you can't walk to the beach. You're you're completely like in a different world. Wow, yeah. so
2: it's That's very so small. True.
1: Wow.
2: When were you there in November?
1: Uh, I was there in November. Yeah.
2: Oh, and I was there in December. So yeah, yeah. We, we missed each other. Oh well.
1: Yeah, but um, but we had a good time. And if anybody uh, ever wants to go, they should. I don't know anybody who regretted it. I don't know anybody who went <laughs> did. To everybody Israel come and was back? Like, I mean, it was yeah, the same <laughs> yeah. number of people went as you returned. <laughs> yeah. No, but nobody comes, nobody comes back from Israel and you're like, how was it? And they're like, eh, you know, um, I was just sitting right now, actually this morning at uh, a diner near my, near my apartment here in New York city. And I was talking to the owner who's this Greek guy and we're talking about Israel. And he said his parents went and his his father really didn't want to go and he didn't like to travel and blah, blah. And he came back and he said it was like the most beautiful place he's ever been to. So take it from my Greek diner owner's father. (laughs)
0: I, yeah, I thought it was amazing. It was definitely a very, one of the,
1: I I mean, one of the topics, I mean, I don't know, like most
0: fun experiences in my life, but definitely memorable, you know? Yeah. If you're into
1: history and religion, like if art, music, like Mm -hmm. whatever you're into, there's a good scene for it. Right. In, uh, in Israel. But now it's, um, it's a little crazy now. Um, you know, there are a lot of protests going on about the new government and the judicial reform that they're proposing. And it's just... It feels a little twenty sixteen ish, so it's a bit pressing at the moment. Yeah. How so? Explain what you mean by that. Um, so there is a new uh, a new government formed after we had like six elections in five years or something because no nobody managed to form a stable government. Netanyahu uh, won uh, again, and he formed a government with a coalition that's more uh, has more right wing, extreme right wing influence. And
2: nationalists, yeah.
1: nationalists. Yeah. And religious as well. And one of the big points of contention now is a judicial reform that they're trying to pass that will take a lot of power from the, the court system in Israel. Now, granted, the court system in Israel is very aggressive and very proactive. And a lot of people think in a way that's not representative of the majority of the people but that said they protect the rights of kind of the more liberal and secular parts of the country. So this judicial reform is is going to weaken the courts and give more power to the yeah. the elected parliament, yeah. but the elected parliament right now is a bunch of idiots. Excuse my language.
2: Part of the yeah. issue part of the <laughs> issue is that Israel does not have a constitution and so it's it kind of flies by the seat of its pants with laws and The Supreme Court is able to check, you know, like checks and balances with the Knesset, the parliament. But what they want to do is kind of almost do away with that so that the parliament can overturn a judicial decision just by a simple majority. Yeah. So, which is crazy. I mean, because there isn't really, like here we have three bodies, right? The executive, the legislative, and the judicial, and like they all have checks and balances with each other, but Israel doesn't have that kind of system. And so the judiciary is really the only check on the Knesset. So this would be, I mean, everyone agrees that they need judicial reform. Everyone, Almost everyone agrees. But like to do it with the most extreme controversial government in mm-hmm. 75 years is just not the right time. That's at least in my opinion. Yeah.
1: But, yeah. And it's interesting because people are going to the streets and I think the protests are in the 10th yeah. week or something and they're just growing. Stronger uh, yeah. people just like more and more people are showing up and people uh, in very high echelons of society are, I was thinking about it actually today that it's weird because like when you think military, you think right wing, right? More right leaning. But I think in the recent years, the at least the political like leaders, like two former chief of staffs, mm. they're all in the kind of center left, let's say it. And a lot of the protests are like, uh, you know, from the pilots and from the elite units. Mm, um, right. So the military has become, I don't, I, I can't, you can't say less nationalistic, but they're not, they don't subscribe to this type of nationalism, which is a little more kind of uh, populist know, uh, or religious populist right, or, or yeah. violent. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then there's That's- the whole elite versus... Non-elite, which is a really big right. discussion everywhere, I think, but right. definitely in Israel because most of the people protesting are elite. You know, people who are secular. They work in secular jobs. They're not necessarily the, you know, the the blue collar, the bus drivers, the the people, who, the religious, the religious. Yeah, yeah do I the would blue say collar the people, people make the country run? But okay, so the like,
0: don't make the country. The run. bus drivers, the blue collar people, they are going to mm-hmm. tend to be religious, like they're more orthodox.
1: No, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. You have two parts here. You have like the religious part, and then you have the people who are a little more nationalistic and more right wing. And and it could be people who live outside of the main cities and they're more, especially if they're in the south of Israel, they're more susceptible to rocket attacks, Mm -hmm. attacks from Gaza on an ongoing basis. So they're definitely more, you know, angry um, and, you know, rightfully so. But also I think there's a, I, I try it's it's so hard not to compare to the US and I try not to draw parallels because it's different topics but there are some issues where you really see the resentment of mm. people towards the elite and upper class and and I that I completely get because we're obnoxious <laughs> you yeah.
0: know a bunch of podcasters
1: Yeah, yeah a bunch of podcasters <laughs> exactly well,
2: and Israel has to deal with like changing demographics too. I mean, it's yes. it's gonna be a big issue in the It's gonna be next just 30 you, years
1: you against the Arabs. Yeah. <laughs> like in a few years it's just gonna be it's gonna be Orthodox Jews and Arabs and we're all gonna like live in Miami, all the secular <laughs> Jews. You guys can figure it out yourselves. Oh it's, you're not wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Well, how are you feeling about like
1: anti Semitism in
0: America. I feel like we are we're, we're, we're against it. Oh, yeah, you definitely. are. Okay. Yeah. Well, this conversation <laughs> yeah. is over. <laughs> um, I feel like it's we been have... pushed to the side. I feel like, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I feel like Asian hate has like eclipsed, uh, oh, yeah. oh no,
1: Wait, no. Anti-Semitism is so back. Are you no, no, kidding me? No, no. I mean, me? just Asian in the hate...
0: media, in like the, in the media,
1: like in the, Asian hate been, is so 2020. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> so COVID. Excuse me. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's a great book. You should have David Badil on. Cause I don't know if he's, I don't know if we're big enough for him, but you are. <laughs> um, there's a, a, a yeah. British comedian called David oh, Baddiel okay. who wrote a book uh, called the Jews don't count, which is a really famous book now and uh, basically talks a lot about how all these things that happen to Jews and they're like, they just don't count like, they don't count when it comes to, you know, when people talk about minorities, when people talk about like uh, discrimination. Yeah. Highly, uh, I don't know if I can speak for you here, but we, we go back and forth between saying like, everybody's out to get us. And also Jews stop whining about anti-Semitism. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like being a Would woman. That be accurate? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like they're all out to rape you and, uh, you right. should, uh, suck it up lady. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I,
2: Chris Rock, I don't know. Did you guys watch his special? Yes, yes. But I thought he, he addressed something really – he said about everybody like being traumatized and victims and all that. And he's like, we basically have an emergency waiting room filled with people with paper cuts. Mm. And I, I think about that now a lot since I watched it last week because I'm like, which things are paper cuts and which things are like gunshot wounds, you know? And it's – I find it difficult as like a, commu- a Jewish community professional to like really – Like balance that, you know, and sort of be able to, and you know, I work with college students, and so like I, I feel like I have responsibility to give them proper context for what they're experiencing, and sometimes I feel like it's a freaking paper cut and just get over it, you know, but other times I'm like, no, that is such a serious, like, egregious thing that happened, and we should address it head on, and it's hard. Like, I think the Jewish community struggles to figure out how to navigate that in a way that doesn't feel like we're ignoring the problem, but also doesn't feel like we're constantly overblowing the problem and yeah, lining. Yeah, you can
1: get offended if people ask you, like, when Passover is. Right. You know? Oh. Right. Uh, is it like that? Are they actually having. You know, there's like a up?
0: sense of like micro, you know,
2: everybody's into the microaggressions. Yeah.
1: Like we watched the movie, um, we talked about the movie You People with Jonah Hill and how it was like, you know, it was mostly not funny uh, more than it was offensive. Like we, I don't think we necessarily thought it was offensive. It just wasn't funny, but also we would have watched it. I hate to admit this, but five years ago, we would have watched that movie differently. We would have yeah, like, that's true. But now everything is like so heightened. And and we talked to um, like, uh, who did we talk to about this? One of our, one of our guests about, are we not like, if Jews are the only ones that it's okay to make fun of, which I am completely fine with people making fun of Jews. I think it's funny. Uh, I think stereotypes are funny because I'm old, but if Jews are the only ones who are kind of cool with it, but you're not allowed to make mm-hmm. fun of anybody mm-hmm. else and kind of, where does that leave us? And it, we're allowed to make fun of them because, because you're white basically. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. It's punching. Yeah. At yeah. 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 Now yeah. it's like punching up. Yeah. But, but I
1: was watching, um, I was watching a South park episode. And it was uh, so funny, but it was about like Mexicans and Persians and (laughs) it's South Park. It was like full of stereotypes, right? It's like, I I was watching, they they said like, how, how do they still get away with it? And and one of the writers was like, "Yeah, people just say like, eh, it's South Park. Like, what are you going to do? But it it was so funny and really stereotypical, like Mexicans and Persians. And I was like, I hate that five years ago. I would have thought like, I would have just laughed without thinking. And now I hate that we all have to wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wouldn't it be just be much better if we could all laugh instead of all just kind of watching our backs. I mean, do you feel that way
0: all the time? I, I feel it's like, I'm constantly, if, if I'm interact, this is terrible. I don't even know if I should be saying that. Like if I'm interacting with somebody who is like not white, I often find myself like worried about what I'm going to say. It's so stupid.
1: Well, I think that's a, I think that's a side effect, unfortunately of this whole, era that we're in is that people are just not being friends with people who don't think like them and don't look like them because they don't want to. It's not even don't think like, like
0: like, I had this interact. It was like walking my dog like like a few weeks ago in the neighborhood. And this guy comes out and like, he was like parked in his this, like, guy probably in his 60s, this black guy, and he's like parked in front of this house. And I, I didn't see him come out of that, whatever. Like, he was like asking me about the dog when we had this super friendly conversation. And he's like, pulls out a picture of his dog, and it was great. It was totally normal. And then, like, he said something about his dog, like jumping over the fence. And I said, Oh, oh, you live here. You, you live here. And I, it was only like because he, I didn't see him. I thought he was going into the house, whatever. And he's like, Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm walking away after we said goodbye. And I'm like, Oh my
1: I can't believe I said that like
0: it sounds like it sounds like I thought that he wouldn't live there like it sounds oh, like, like oh my god now he thinks I'm a racist oh my god oh my god oh my god
1: like yeah or when you can't like I I, I think once um I, I think I've told this story once but I was in school and we were hanging up a pinata for something it was like a Cinco de Mayo and we didn't know how to do it and a girl came who's from Mexico she's Mexican and I was like oh <laughs> we her should ask hang her. It up, and people like oh like they were gasping. I'm like, I'm like, it's literally her tradition. Like <laughs> you were I- asking her
0: to like actually get tools and like hang it up like <laughs> no. be the janitor. <laughs> i
1: asking if she okay. knows anybody, do you I want to hear to a terrible you story? A yeah. handyman. Yeah. <laughs>
2: right. This is a terrible story, but I have a like close friend, like a young a young guy who was in his twenties, very very dear friend of our families who passed away last year. And we had, you know, mutual friends and one of our, like, who would come to my house for Shabbat all the time. And one of my friends is uh, married to a Hispanic guy. He's um, from uh, Guatemala. And so he doesn't look like everyone else who was at the funeral who were Orthodox Jews. And, but he was there because he was really good friends with the guy who passed away. And one of the rabbis in middle of the funeral turns to him and says, go get, can you go get more shovels? We oh, need more shovels.
1: No. And
2: then, yeah. And he's like, what? And he's like, we need more shovels because he thought he worked there and was just there like as one of the maintenance people. And he, my friend was like, no, this is my friend. He was my, you know, he tells says the name. He's like, he was my friend. I don't work here. And he, I was standing in the back of the funeral and he like came around the back and he's like, you're not going to believe it just fucking happened. And he tells me the story in the middle of the funeral and I'm like- I apologize on behalf of everyone who's here. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> on behalf of the entire Jewish the community, the rabbi <laughs> was the rabbi mortified, or no, probably not. Uh, he probably didn't even realize that. The, but like, oh god, it's those kinds of things that are just so cringy. Like,
0: uh, why did that have to happen? But yeah, yeah, it does happen. It does happen. You know, I wanted to actually touch on um, an anecdote. So I think you talked about this on on your podcast. So Hila, you came recently to a party here in LA for the own speakeasy, my my yeah. enterprise, and was um, so fun. Dr. Drew was at the party. <laughs> And, and Dr. traumatized from, him. No, well, I love <laughs> this, and it's actually I think relevant to what we're talking about because so doctor, so I don't know. I think Yayal you were not like aware of Loveline with Adam and Doctor Go. No, because no. it wasn't. And Kyla, you need
1: to get him on our oh, show. Oh my god! So first I'll of all,
0: Loveline was the most brilliant show ever. It was a radio show. It was a call-in show about sex and relationships, and these yeah. young people would call in, and it was. Through the nineties, I think, I I guess it started like in the early nineties and it went, you know, into the two thousands and it, you know, it was on TV then, and it was not nearly as good on TV. Like the effect on the radio was just so powerful and it was hilarious. And people would call in with these problems and it was Adam Carolla and, and Drew Pinsky, and they would make fun of them. Like they would immediately just take the piss out of their problems, yeah, but while yeah. also helping them. And I just think it was such a profound difference, the way that people's, you know, people would have these real concerns, like some of the people, some of these kids would just be like total, just train wrecks, right? Like yeah. They would have these things, but then like, even that, like they would really put them in their, like Adam would just put them in their place in a way that was funny, but also an incredible relief. I think like to be told that your problem is actually not that big a deal. And in fact, like kind of (laughs) laughable, it, it was a really important way to frame the human experience. Anyway. So Drew, who's been on this podcast and, and is a friend of mine, um, came to the, party and um Haile, you had this sort of remarkable thing to say to him about the about all these Hasidic kids listening to Love Line.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was the biggest fan. And like my parents would not would not let me listen to that at all. And like my parent in general, like I didn't listen to non-Jewish music. I would sneak it Um, I had, like, a Walkman, you know, that I had with, like, FM and AM radio (laughs) with the tape deck that I got for my bat mitzvah or whatever. And I would – it was on – and Loveline was on at 10 p.m., so it was late. It was on from 10 to 12. Yeah. And I would sneak my Walkman in my bed and listen um, to Loveline. And that's where I learned, like, everything. And I I told Dr. Drew, I'm like – I wouldn't have known that genitals could get warts if not for Loveline. Cause like, <laughs> not in the who, I think a lot like, of people who would might have, not have known Who that. would have told me that? Right. Or like, <laughs> I wouldn't know what a BJ was or that there's such a thing as a threesome or like any of the stuff that I was hearing on Loveline. And so, I mean, a lot of it, like looking back now probably went over my head, but I definitely was educated by those guys and they would have on like rock stars, as guests and they would like ask them relationship advice. And these guys were like drunk and high and it was, yes, it would be so funny. And it was such a, a, like a, a window to a world that I was so distant from. And I just, I loved it. And lots of my friends listened and, and many of us got our education through left line. You didn't
1: get your education through Judy bloom books. Like, Oh my God. Don't (laughs) get me
0: started on Judy bloom. I'm, I'm anti Judy bloom actually. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, the movie's coming out. Dear Margaret. Are you there, you Oh, yeah. Are you there, God? There, God? It's, you there God, God? it's me, Mark. Margaret. Margaret. Only now that movie's coming out? Like, yeah, two yeah. years yeah. later? Whole, See, yeah. okay, my, and I, this is a very unpopular opinion, and I'm sure Judy Bloom is a, a great person and everything, but I just felt like those books were problematizing <laughs> the <laughs> female, especially teenage girl experience. And I felt like they just made a huge deal like it was like the opposite of the love line effect. Like the love line effect was that you had like these problems and they would just like really like put them in their place and say like, yeah. okay, you know what? This is life. Get over it. Like, it's hilarious. Move on. Like live, like live <laughs> right. your life. Think, think about other things. Right. It was really just like, like Adam would just be like, you know what, why don't you just like run around the block? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? And, and the Judy Bloom thing was always just like this obsession and like, Oh no! Because it's for
1: neurotic Jewish women. You're you're not the audience. Well,
0: yeah, yeah. We don't even get our periods. (laughs) Gentiles, we don't (laughs) shit or get our periods. But the so I felt that the Judy Bloom books were the precursor to women's magazines. So this paradigm Mm. of your life is Mm. a problem that needs to be obsessed over, and then we're going to sell you the solutions. Judy Bloom books obviously weren't selling anybody the solutions, but I feel like these girls they all read all those books and yeah. then they graduated to 17 magazine and then all the glossy women's magazines and it was all just about obsessing about what was wrong with you. Hating, way, hating some part of your time, body. That's so true. I,
1: I don't know when the last time you read a woman's magazine now, but now it's all like the patriarchy. Well, so I else. know. I mean, right. I, that I used to write for women's magazines. I mean, that was my <laughs> bread and butter
0: for like many decades because they paid the most by far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Well, Teen Vogue. See, the, all, can I just say, too, that Teen Vogue, Teen Vogue became like the old, ultimate social justice magazine because of that Lauren oh, Dupit, yeah. like Donald Trump is gaslighting us piece. Uh, that piece said nothing. It just used the word gaslight. It I used know. it in that context. And people were like blown away.
1: Yeah. And they write a lot of like crap about Israel that isn't oh, true. Oh, really? And yeah. I, I think it's all like, I, I don't know, I, I tend to think and I'm I'm cynical and I work in communications, but I tend to think also so many of these people don't believe it. They're like, this is what young people like, right? That's like the kids today. They love justice. Let's write like 10 ways to like <laughs> 10 red flags on a dating profile that, you know, somebody is not wearing an RBG hat or something.
0: <laughs> I think they do uh, want it, though. You think they don't actually want it? I mean, they're getting it. They I don't need- know. I think they need
2: the articles that we grew up with like 10 ways to have an orgasm while sitting in the car with your boyfriend.
0: Like that's, because you can need. definitely <laughs> figure that out from reading a magazine article.
1: <laughs> yeah. 10 bras <laughs> that will drive him wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, all right. I'm going to,
1: we're going to wrap up
0: this portion of the conversation and then I'm going to keep you over time for some really juicy stuff, but is there anything else Ooh, we, ha- awesome. we haven't touched on? No, thanks for having us, Megan. No,
1: let's keep the juicy stuff uh, for the paid listeners.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But you are among my most requested guests. So people, like I say, I want to make you my 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 Ricky Gervais, like the way Sam Harris has (gasps) has Ricky Gervais on uh, periodically, so he doesn't have to come up with more content that's what i want you guys to be for me (laughs) this is really our pleasure to
1: come back anytime all right and we get a lot of listeners who can't tell us we had one of our favorite guests was a woman who is a um pregnant well she's not pregnant anymore but she had the baby but she's a pregnant jewish dominatrix working in berlin that was fantastic Um, that was a fantastic episode and she came to us uh through through megan down wow Mm -hmm. So there you go. Oh wait, can I tell a funny story before we go to the paid thing? Please. <laughs> so Chayala's father, the rabbi, he said he mentioned a few times that he doesn't like you, Megan. And we're like, what? why, why? It's like, wait, and and then he and then we like the third time he said it or something, we're like, why? And he's like, she wrote all these things about Israel. <laughs> and we're like, Are you thinking of Maureen Dowd? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad we cleared MD. that up. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: He was very happy when he realized it wasn't the same person.
0: They think that you've been like hanging out with Maureen Dowd. It's like, oh, but yeah, Maureen Dowd came over to the house the other day to hang out. He was really happy to hear that. Okay. That's All right. Funny. I have, I, yeah. Is more, okay. I thought you were going to say he had me confused with Megan Kelly. Or um, I get confused with, uh... yeah, Yeah. I once had somebody go on and on about how um, she loved, she was such a big fan and like loved all my work in the New Yorker. And um, I was finally like, this person thinks I'm Megan O'Rourke. Like they definitely do. They definitely do. And it's been going on way too long now. And I didn't stop them. And I don't know how to get out of this.
1: Our friend, uh, our friend Matt Welsh, um, got blocked by. Oh my God,
0: um, Solomon Rusty.
1: Solomon <laughs> wow, be- because that's pretty meta. Because he thought he was Matt yeah. Welsh. <laughs> yeah, I know that must be a problem.
0: <laughs>
2: Matt, yeah. Ma- it's so it exhausting to be confused for people. Like people think I'm Giselle all the time, and I'm like,
1: <laughs> I mean, Wait, I don't even
2: have a Brazilian accent. Why? Like, what makes you think that?
0: <laughs> Why do they think you're Giselle? Oh, I'm joking. <laughs> I thought people think you're Ghislaine
1: Maxwell. (laughs) Yeah. However you pronounce it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, there's a lot of emotional labor involved in uh, being confused with other people.
1: You (laughs) should write a teen Vogue article about that, (laughs) about how offensive it is to confuse people for other people. Right. Don't that's like,
0: yeah. It's just because you have the same initials as somebody doesn't mean that that you're the same. So true. All right. All right. Well, thank you for coming back. Congratulations on the ongoing success of the podcast. Thank you. And uh, we'll have you back again. Happy Passover.
1: Anytime. Thank you.
0: That was my conversation with Hialeah Suffren and Yael Bartour. They are the hosts of the Ask a Jew podcast, which you can find over at Paloma Media or wherever you get your podcasts. It's really, it's very easy to find a podcast if you know what you're looking for. Khailea is executive director of the Long Beach Hillel at Cal State Long Beach in Southern California. Yael is a crisis communications and social media consultant in New York City. She previously uh, was the director of social media for the NYPD. So, how about that? What else? We're going to take next week off. Uh, We're going to take a break for the uh, Easter holiday, the Passover holiday and the Easter holiday. We're going to take a little spring break here. Let you catch up on the last several episodes if you are behind. So um, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks. I'll be back with another super nuanced guest. Thanks for listening. See you next time.